Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000 plus attendees, but we'll showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech Podcast. Uh, my guest today is Isabel Corbett. Uh, she's part of the general counsel for R3. Uh, Isabel, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and thank you for having me. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, thanks for coming. So I uh, spoke to R3, you know, quite a while ago, but I wanted to revisit what you guys are doing because I know that, you know, as part of the R3 consortium, um, a lot's going on. So could you tell listeners what's the premise of R3 and what do you guys do? Let's revisit all this stuff. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. A lot has changed since we last spoke. So R3 started in September 2015, and I think that you caught up with a representative from R3 about two years ago. So in the intervening years, we have continued to work on our platform called Corda. R3 is a software firm building enterprise blockchain technology for businesses. So we have now created our platform Corda that went live in late 2016, and we've expanded our global network of partners to include over 200 partners, regulators, members, um, really looking to include the, the broader ecosystem. Obviously, all of these blockchain technologies need and rely on network effect. So we have taken tremendous steps towards that. So you said that blockchain uh, enterprise solutions. So what does that mean? What are some examples of how enterprises using blockchain to improve their, their businesses? So our platform, Corda is released in open source as of a year and a half ago. And we also have our enterprise-grade version coming in a couple of months. 
it is designed specifically for regulated institutions. Um, that, that was kind of the core of the design from the beginning. So it has limited data sharing. And what that means is that rather than broadcasting a full copy of the ledger onto each node, rather only the parties who need to see information have access to it. It was designed that way because regulated institutions cannot be sharing all information about their transactions with others, encrypted or not. So that, that's what sets Corda apart. And that's also what makes it such a good ledger for regulated institutions or just institutions transacting in regulated spaces uh, to use. But it also has applications far beyond that. So institutions can interact in a way that's a lot faster, yet it's still secure without sharing data and compromising their regulation. Right. So you're getting all the benefits of blockchain technology. You're getting that immutability. You're getting the consensus. You're getting essentially immediate fact sharing that is accurate. And you're gaining all that efficiency. You're reducing friction. You're reducing costs. But you still are complying with regulation in that you aren't sharing um, data with parties who don't have a right to see it. And in a lot of cases, regulations actually prohibit data sharing. So, for example, in the U.S., you can't have Bank A and Bank B transacting and have Bank C and D observing it. Um, there are very strict regulations about that, as well as in Europe and in Asia. So pretty much globally, it's important that financial institutions be able to keep their information private. Well, so with the implementation of Corda, any metrics that have changed? You know, you have any uh, case studies or examples? So Corda, as it was open source at the end of 2016, it's being built on around the world. But in the year 2018 is when we're going to see the first commercial deployments of what we call Core dApps. So 2018 is the year that we will start to see it being actually used. So not just proofs of concept, but real commercial deployments. So that's when we can really start to measure the tangible impact. Some of those projects of interest we have one that was just uh, recently announced after a pilot transaction. It is Our partner is called H2LAX, and it's a collateral management tool. So what it does is it immobilizes collateral assets and allows exchange of the tokenized assets, if you will. So you exchange the token representing the assets, but in order for the exchange of the assets to actually occur, we worked with a law firm and a custodian, as well as the counterparties to the transaction, to ensure that the assets um, that were in the custodian account actually transferred ownership from party A to party B. So as we start to see these commercial deployments, it's a really exciting time because we're seeing that it is possible. We're working through all of the questions, the legal and regulatory questions, in addition to the technical questions. And then we'll start to see um, more and more of those and, and see how much speed we gather. I mean, so far we have tremendous interest in HQLAX, as well as several of our other um, products. And in fact, we just had one go live about three days ago that has tremendous interest, and I think that we'll start seeing metrics on that pretty quickly. Well, when you say tokenizing, tokenizing collateral, I think of, let's say, mortgages. I, I don't know if that's an example of what will be, but you know, you probably tokenize mortgages. They don't have to sit in any one uh, particular bank's repository. They would be on a blockchain, but you can trade the mortgages, buy and sell them. Would that be an example? Yeah, I mean, you can really tokenize anything, right? You can put a representation of any type of asset on Ledger. And that's what makes the HQLAX um, pilot transaction so important is because 
a lot of it is about the legal and regulatory implications. So sure, you can absolutely tokenize mortgages and, and transfer them. But the question is, what are the implications of doing that? And what sort of agreements do we need to be in place? Because what's, what's core to this technology, the platform itself, as well as the apps that sit on top of it, is everyone wants to make sure they are transacting in a safe environment, that they are transacting with the people with whom they intend to be, that they have met whatever objective metrics they need to meet in order to be transacting, that it's clear whose liability is whose and who owns what went. And so that, that's really, um, I would say, the, the key piece and an important hurdle and one that we have cleared a couple times and will continue to do for each product. But absolutely, um, tokenization is, is the core of how this platform works. What are, what are some assets that you see in, in desperate need of tokenization? You know, a, a lot of it really is the collateral management piece. And then when you look at the other part of blockchain technology, which isn't just moving the assets, it's moving the data. So that doesn't actually require tokenization. But in the mortgage example, we actually did a project with the FCA during which we demonstrated that mortgages can be reported in real time. So we had two banks working on that project with us. And as they were transacting mortgages, as they were um, issuing mortgages, it was being reported automatically to the FCA. And the point of that is that let's say a catastrophe happens. Obviously, knock wood that we don't see 2008 again. But let's say a catastrophe happens. We want to be able to look and know immediately in that moment who holds what, who has which liability. So we want to know which banks have which mortgages outstanding, and we want to know the status of those mortgages. So the data movement is just as important as the asset movement. I guess, you know, also what comes to mind is gold. I mean, that seems ripe for tokenization because it's heavy and precious, it can be stolen, it has to be guarded. Are you involved in anything in, re- in regards to gold or in any other yeah, assets that you can disclose? We are. I, I can't talk about exactly what it is that we're doing, but you're spot on in that in that question in that gold is a perfect example, right? And when you look at the futures market, all of these um, commodities really, for the most part, are sitting in a warehouse. You know, you're buying at one location to protect your exposure, right? So you're hedging out, you're using futures, but you're never actually going to go get it from that warehouse. You're going to sell out of your position. Same idea, right? You don't really need to be moving underlying. There's a reason that people are buying gold, and it's not because they want to decorate their house. (laughs) They're leaving the gold where it sits. So, yeah, you can absolutely trade a representation of that gold that is far more efficient, far more effective, and using DLT, it's more reliable, um, and it represents agreement from the parties to the transaction of who holds what. Okay. Um, can you still preserve the immutability, even though these are, I guess, are they private permission blockchains or are they public permission blockchains? You know, the immutability is actually not impacted by whether it's permissioned and whether it's private. The immutability is a core piece of blockchain technology generally. Now, what is impacted by public or private is really who you know um, is on the ledger and how you know that it is who you think it is. So in a permission ledger, you know that everyone who's on it has met the objective standards, right? On a, on a permission ledger, it, not all the standards are the same. So any given network decides what its standards will be. But as someone who's on the network, you know that everyone has met the same standards that you had to meet to be a part of it. Well, I figured a lot of people would... You know, I mean, they just wouldn't know. I just, I got the feeling myself, 
you know, how do they make sure it's immutable without mining and without, you know, the traditional aspects of other of other blockchains? That's why I asked. Yeah, that that is a very good question. And what that gets to is how consensus works on our platform. So consensus on Corda is pluggable. So there's no one-size-fits-all consensus model. So Corda offers multiple consensus options to ensure that you and your counterparties agree on and can view the same record of data. So other models operate a single consensus model that can't be tailored. It's just one-size-fits-all, take it or leave it. And in our view, that's, that's not what's going to be appropriate for every business context. So the Corda pluggable consensus model allows for flexibility. So what, what's an example of... Um, I don't know if you can describe it. You have an example of um, one or two consensus models that are really popular on Corda? So Corda was designed from the beginning to have a, a basically a peer-to-peer consensus model. So it is that what I see is what you see. So I am a party to the transaction. You are my counterparty. So the consensus is on that um, transaction level which means you and I both look at the information on our transaction and we validate that as the transaction as we intend it to be. We then submit it to a notary and the notary protects against the double spend. The notary can actually have a more robust function as well. And then that transaction is committed to ledger. So that is the baseline of how Corda was designed that it would use that transaction by transaction consensus model. How do different computers uh, look at the ledger and make sure that no one... uh you know, has a different copy than what everyone else has. Well, there is sharing of the data, right? There's sharing between the two counterparties of the transaction or three or four or five, however many there may be. There's also sharing with the notary. There's also sharing with regulator nodes. So I should have touched on that earlier. Ford is designed so that regulators sit on top of the network so they can actually have a node on the network. That means that they're receiving the information that they have a right to be receiving um, for any given transaction, and that may actually mean multiple regulators. We recognize that we are in a very global system where transactions are no longer between Harry and Sam, who are neighbors in Omaha. Rather, transactions are all around the world. They are touching multiple jurisdictions. Data and assets are moving. And so there are multiple regulators for any given transaction in a lot of cases. So those cases mean that in any transaction that has that quality, that international multi-jurisdictional quality, you have multiple regulators who have an interest. So that data will be shared with as many regulators who have a need and a right to see that information. So you're looking at fairly significant replication in the sense that it is beyond just two counterparties. But what you aren't looking at is the unscalable replication where it's just a gossip network and everything's going everywhere. Like I said, I guess, I guess a distributed ledger beats a ledger that's just on one company's servers. That's one improvement. And then, you know, with all these parties having access to the same data and mathematically it being very difficult to undo or to change, um, that's good enough. I mean, it would take really a massive conspiracy in order to, to corrupt the ledger that's distributed. Yeah, th- that's exactly right. And you know, it's obviously our view that Corda really does a good job of balancing the benefits of blockchain technology, taking out that kind of unnecessary data replication and creating a solution that's built for the world's biggest institutions to use. You know, it is built to the highest standards of the financial services industry. Well, question, when you say it's distributed, how distributed are these ledgers? Is there a minimum requirement, you know, number of uh, 
computers uh, that are not co-located? I mean, what are some of like the basics of uh, that makes it distributed? The network can be implemented in a variety of ways. Essentially, Corda is the platform, but it's up to the, the network operator how to design the implementation of it. So there is a replication that I referred to between the counterparties and the notary and the regulators, but there can be designed um, to have greater replication. Okay, I just didn't know if there's any minimum requirements in order for, in order for a, a ledger to be truly distributed. I don't know if you guys have metrics on that and what it takes. That would be up to the, the network operator, the network designer, which would be influenced by those who are the users of that network. All right, great. So uh, can you reveal what kind of uh, commercial operations are going to happen now in 2018? Where, where, you know, where is the public going to see the first implementations of this? Yeah, sure. So we are working on solutions in insurance, in trade finance. We have the collateral management tool that I referenced in partnership with HQLAX. We also have a solution in the syndicated loan space um, with Lundercom. We are working on an FX post-trade solution, which you will certainly see this year, as well as a project involving Euro commercial paper. Oh, and the last one I'll mention that's really important and is something that we've been working on for a very long time, and it's absolutely core to this space, particularly as we're catering to um, regulated institutions, something that regulators and essentially all businesses care about, KYC and AML. So we have a lot of focus on that. We are working with a major partner of ours, and you will see a deployment of that in 2018, at least one. So what are some requirements on the size or the type of industry that an organization is involved in in order to benefit from Corda? You know, there actually is no size requirement. The advantage that we have of being a consortium that started with all of these larger institutions is they really did a lot of the heavy lifting at the beginning. And now, because we have done over 120 proofs of concept, we're benefiting from all of that information that we've gathered, all those learnings, all of that code base. And now, as we're able to expand our network and create these products, it really is going to be accessible to everybody. We have members of all sizes. We have partners of all sizes. And as we see this deployed, it, it will be accessible much more broadly than I think blockchain was you know, two or three years ago. Any of the uh, proofs of concept that you think were really cool that you want to talk about? <laughs> well, I will say HQLAX is actually one of my favorites, near and dear to my heart. I've worked on it since day one. So I'm a big believer in that. Um, our solution, Syndicated Loans, is huge. We are very excited about it. Um, as I said, in partnership with Lendercom, that is uh, just taken off. So those are those are the two favorites. They're also the two most recent. But I'm excited about many that are that are coming down the pike. Anything that um, you know? Do you think the average person walking around that knows nothing about blockchain? I mean, will they what will they experience this year, or will they not know? It'll all be behind the scenes. <laughs> you know what they're going to experience first and foremost is a lot of news, a lot of headlines. Um, you know, a lot of them are kind of distracted and focused on virtual currencies and ICOs. A lot of them can be hard to understand. Um, blockchain, DLT, whatever you want to call it, has a lot of terms that are difficult for the average person to take in when they're reading three paragraphs on the front of the Wall Street Journal. But that said, um, I think the first feeling will be that news. I think that in 2019, individuals may start to see some uses. But really, 
moving from commercial to consumer use, I, I think, is a longer play. Well, very good. So what's what's the best way for um, interested parties to get in touch with R3? Yeah, um, you can reach out to me, isabel.corbett at R3, which is I-S-A-B-E-L-L-E dot C-O-R-B-E-T-T at R3.com. And you can also go to our website. We have a variety of ways you can contact us, including our partner team, um, and our membership team. So reach out uh, through any of those avenues, and you can also access Corda training online. Very good, Isabel. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it. Coming to Dallas, Texas, September 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2018, the Blockchain and Future Tech Expo. This is going to be a gigantic conference of over 5,000 people. We're going to be talking about blockchain and its applications. We're going to be talking about quantum computing, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and several other future technologies that are poised to and actually changing our lives as we speak. Here's why you should attend. As you may know, early adopters are the ones that investigated and profited from things like the gold rush in the 1800s, from the dot-com boom in the 1990s, from the internet boom in 2005, from the smartphone explosion in 2007, from the real estate boom that ended in 2008, and of course, from the Bitcoin boom that started in 2012. Early adopters act now. They don't wait till later. They go out west first in their covered wagons. They find the biggest gold nuggets. If you consider yourself an early adopter and you want to find the biggest nuggets, then you owe it to yourself to attend this upcoming conference. Blockchain is going to affect how we control and store our medical data, how we send money around the world, how we bank, and more. But artificial intelligence, quantum computing, and cybersecurity will play a pivotal role in our lives as well. And that's why our next event, September 14th to the 16th at the Dallas Convention Center, is going to have not only 5,000-plus attendees, but will showcase blockchain, AI, cybersecurity, quantum computing, and more. You want to get in on the coming gold rush of future tech and opportunity as an early adopter. Don't be left out. To register, go to bftexpo.com. That's blockchainfuturetechexpo.com. Thank you. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.